Well, this morning, we are continuing our series, Battles and Beats. And we're going to talk about a battle that we all face in our life. I don't care who you are. I don't care how macho you are. We all face this battle. It is a battle with fear. We all face fears in our lives from time to time. In fact, when you look at it, fear can, can fall into one of three camps. There are intellectual fears. These are the fears that we create in our brains when we face a circumstance and then we play out all of the scenarios, all that self-talk, and we, we project what might happen, and, and, and then we think about what people are saying and thinking, and we go through all of these mental gymnastics and create this, this fear inside over what could happen, the what-ifs. I've heard it said before that fear is false evidence appearing real, and, and we, we make all of that up. Also, fear can fall into the camp of emotional fear. We've all faced, everyone in this room, probably the number one fear that we face emotionally is a a fear of rejection. A fear that others will not accept us, will not love us, that we will be rejected in some form or fashion, and and we face that fear. And, And a partner to that, something that a lot of us guys struggle with for sure, is that fear of failure. A fear that we will not be successful in what we do, that our, our performance will be, not be up to speed and we will not be a, a success at things and we fear failure. A third camp <clears throat> is environmental fears. And, and I know you know what this is. These are, are these fears we face in our environment, a fear of heights, a fear of, of closed spaces. It, just the thought of being trapped in an elevator just wigs you out and drives you bananas to think about it. It's the fear of snakes. It's the fear, I heard some mm-hmm, and uh, the fear of spiders and, and creepy things. And some of you are getting, getting cringes already just thinking about it. We have these environmental fears. And so today, I brought one of the fears that I face with me in order to to exemplify and illustrate the point of my message. And this thing scares me to death, but I'm going to face my fear, and they're taking care of it backstage. So I don't want you to creep out, but I'm going to bring it onto the stage, okay? Just a second. Let me go back here and see if I can find it. It's back here somewhere. This is Cohen, our 15-month-old little boy, and he scares me to death. (laughs) You know, those fears as a father, as a parent, we face some very real fears, don't we? Fear uh, of, well, fear uh, of not being there emotionally and not passing on manhood. Fear of, of something happening to me and not being there for him and his mom. Um, fear uh, of, of just putting his diaper on wrong or something happening, <laughs> and, or, or, or fear that something would happen to him. I mean, how many of us have just walked into the room and looked into the crib just to make sure they're breathing? We have fears when it comes to, to parenting. We have a lot of fears in our lives. And when we face fears, there's basically three ways we can respond to that fear. We feel the fear 
And then other things start to take over, like anxiety and stress, and we get freaked out about things, and it begins to, to really weigh on us. And then one thing we might do is we might fight. We bow up, and we begin to fight through the situation, try to eliminate that thing that is scaring us to death. We might try to angle and manipulate the situation so that the person that we are afraid of may give us the respect or the the affirmation that we need so that we're no longer afraid. And we bow up and we try to fight through the situation. Another thing we do is flight. We, We flee. We run. And by running, we try to escape to something that will satisfy that, that fear in our lives. And we fall into other things that, that may be able to take away some of that stress and anxiety and that fear in our life. And then a third thing that we often do, you doing okay, buddy? A third thing that we do is we might freeze. And that's where we, we cower down and we close our eyes, kind of like we played this little game like this. And we think that if, if no, we're not looking, the bad guy can't see us. And we think if we just freeze, that maybe the scary thing will just blow over and we won't have to deal with it. And when we, when we freeze, when we flee, when we fight, there can be some, some pretty crazy outcomes, Sometimes we will make really bad choices and really bad decisions that will impact our life. We can often destroy relationships, destroy careers. We can find ourselves in the deep weeds of some bad behavior, some bad choice, an addiction. That's right. See the people? And we find that oftentimes when we cower down and we freeze, that that we just become a victim to the fear and and nothing happens. And we we continually face all of the bad stuff that comes from, from cowering down. But most importantly, when we face these fears and we respond inappropriately, there's collateral damage. We find that relationships are ruined. We find that our family may suffer the consequences. And we forget that all along the way, these little eyes are watching us. They're watching us. And one day, Cohen's going to grow up, and he's going to face fears in his life. And how is he going to respond? Just like Daddy did. And so the cycle of fear continues. And all of the detrimental outcomes continue to shake our lives. You did good, buddy. We're going to go backstage now, okay? Because fear, I didn't know quite how that would turn out. We're really thankful we got through that. That was a fear in itself. Because fear can have such such detrimental impact on our lives and our families and, and our relationships and so many functions of our life, it's important that we learn how to face these fears and how to deal with fear in our life to avoid all of these negative impacts that happen. So to do that, I want to point us to a battle in Scripture. It's found in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. And in this battle, the king Jehoshaphat, he was the king of the southern tribes of Israel, the tribe of, the, 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 of Judah. He was the king of this particular group of, of tribes. And in this, this passage, we find that there was a battle that was coming. There was a coalition of forces that had joined together, armies that had come together and were headed to attack and to oppress Judah. And here's Jehoshaphat, the leader, 
facing this ominous army of forces that he could never stand against. So let's look at what it says. I love what it says his response was. It says in verse 3, it says, Then Jehoshaphat was afraid. (laughs) Simply put, he was scared. And you got to think about, put yourself in his seat. He had to be scared for his life, that he might be killed, that his friends and his family would be annihilated. He had to fear failure, that if, if he did not make the right decision here, if he was not able to figure something out, he would be, be a failure as a king. The people would reject him. He had to feel just the sting that these forces hated him enough to come and, and to kill him and to attack him. There was a lot of fear in there, and I think we'd be pretty naive to believe that with that, that he did not feel some stress, that there was not some anxiety that went along with that. I think I would be overwhelmed and freaking out if I knew these forces were coming after me and my people. And so what we see here is that he does something different. Rather than bow up and try to fight a force he couldn't win against, rather than rather than you know, packing up the chariot and bolting and getting out of town, rather than just freezing and hiding in a cave somewhere and hoping it would just blow over, he did something different. He pressed pause, and he sought God. Look at what it says in the the second part of this verse. It says, well, he was afraid, and he set his face to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all of Judah. He said, okay, kingdom, (laughs) we are going to fast and we are going to pray, and we are going to worship God right now. We're just going, that's our stance. That is what we're going to do. And so he gathered people together in the sanctuary, in the assembly, and then he began to pray. And I love this prayer. And I want you to, I'm going to read it to you, and I want you to to dial into it. A lot of times when the pastor reads a long passage, I dial out. But I want you to dial in, and I want you to, to look at the heart and what he prayed in this, in this time of a huge fear in his life. He says, O oh Lord, God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. In your hand are power and might, so that none is able to withstand you. Did you not, our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? And they have lived in it and built for you in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, if disaster comes upon us, the sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this house and before you, for your name is in this house, and cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear and you will save. He's remembering God's power and what God has done to give them this promised land. He's remembering the purpose of this sanctuary is for a place for God to dwell, that they could come and meet with God and call upon him to save them and to help them through whatever it is that they face in their life. And he goes on to cry out for victory and for relief from what they were facing. In verse 12, it says, Oh, our God, will you not execute judgment on them, this army, this coalition that's coming after them? For we are powerless against the great horde that is coming against us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And so with that, God answered immediately. And he spoke through the voice of a prophet whose name was Jehaziel. In those days, God spoke to his people through prophets. They were the the voice box of God. And look at what the prophet says. And he said, listen, all Judah 
and inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat. Thus says the Lord to you, listen, do not be afraid and do not be dismayed at this great horde for the battle is not yours but God's. Tomorrow, go down against them. You will need not to fight in this battle. Stand firm, hold your position and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf, O Judah and Jerusalem. And then he reiterates what he said before. Do not be afraid and do not be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them and the Lord will be with you. And then look at what Jehoshaphat does. It says, Then Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. What an extreme picture of an entire people coming before God and bowing themselves prostrate before God. They worshiped God. You know, when I read passages like that, I get excited. And I think, oh, wow, I can deal with this fear in my life. I mean, look what God did for Jehoshaphat and those people. He fought for them. Well, see, what happened was they got up the next day and they went down to the battlefield and God caused confusion among the coalition forces and the armies and they began to to turn upon one another and to kill one another. And ultimately, the the people of Judah were able to look down and see the carnage of what God had done. the, The enemy was destroyed and they didn't have to fight one fight. I love to read that. It gives me such encouragement because the truth is, Honestly, in my life, I've faced a lot of fears. Maybe you have as well. Maybe you're riddled with it right now. As a single guy for many years into my 30s and into my early 40s, I have faced a lot of fear. There's a lot of fear that we face in these relationships or lack thereof. We fear what people are saying about us. We fear being alone the rest of our lives. We, we fear being rejected. All of those things. I dealt with those fears. I remember all the jokes. He's just too picky. Surely in that big church, he can find one that will fit the bill, you know? I went through all of that. And it makes you a little bit freaky and fearful. I also have been in positions in my life in roles, in, in, in organizations where the stress and the pressure was overwhelming, where you had such an expectation to perform and to be perfect in everything you did that you were scared to death of dropping a ball. And every time the phone ring, I rang, I remember just my stomach turning over, just getting sick to my stomach for fear that it was a phone call telling me something had failed, something had gone wrong, fearing that I was in trouble ultimately fearing that that I might even get fired because a ball was dropped, even though I tried so hard to keep that from happening. A year and a half ago, I was diagnosed with cancer. I had cancer surgery and had complications out of the surgery and was rushed back into surgery, and I remember going through the hospital, uh, looking up at the ceiling tiles, coming in and out of consciousness and thinking to myself, God, no, no, I want to meet my child. My wife was seven months pregnant. I faced the fear of death. It was a very real thing that I faced. I know what it is to be riddled with fear. I know what it is to have that anxiety, to to just feel like it controls so much of you. I get it. And over the years, I made mistakes. I tried to fight 
I tried to angle. If I can just get my boss to, to affirm me and, and kind of position myself where he'll, you know, say, attaboy, then I'll feel good and the fear will go away. I tried to fight or eliminate the circumstance. Sometimes I would try to flee. I'd try to, to dive into something else, entertainment or, or whatever it is that would try to satisfy that anxiety in my life. There were times where I just stood still and I would freeze and I'd just hope. So scared about this, but maybe if I'm just quiet, maybe if I don't say anything, it'll just go away. And I'd find myself continuing this perpetual fear in my life. And so there were moments, though, because I, I do follow Jesus, and, and I want to be a good follower of Jesus, that I would, I would press pause like Jehoshaphat. And I would seek God. And I would look at a passage like this, and I'd go, what did they do? What was their secret? How did that all work out for them? And then I would treat this, this like a manual. I go to it and I go, okay, what did he do? Kind of like an owner's manual where you look to the back of it and it says, in case of failure, do this, this, and this, and this. And I would look at it like some step-by-step process. And so I'd look at this and I'd say, well, he fasted, he prayed, and he worshiped. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to fast, pray, and worship. So I would go and I would fast and I would pray and I'd worship. I'd fast, pray, and worship. Fast, pray, and worship. And then I'd, I'd get all geared up and I'd walk into the battle and face life, face whatever the circumstance is, and I'd be okay for a while, and then all of a sudden that fear would come back. And I'd find myself back into this same thing. And I would be so disappointed, so disappointed that for whatever reason I couldn't pray this thing away. I couldn't reason it away. I couldn't figure out some angle, some strategy, some, some test, some, some bullet point that I could work through to make all of this fear dissipate in my life. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that, that prayer is not essential or fasting or, or worship because they are. They're key ingredients. But there was something I was missing in all this, something that God in this process had to reveal to me in my own life. If you peel back the layers and you go beneath the surface, you see that there's a core issue that comes with fear. And that core issue is control. We fear the things we can't control. If I could not control the outcome of a project or a particular thing in my life, then I was fearful. We, we, we fear the things that, that we cannot manipulate, the things that we feel completely out of control in. And when we feel out of control, we want to put the control somewhere. And so when we face this fear, we turn over that control to someone or something. We may turn it over to that figure in our life, that boss, that family member that, that holds some power in you. And we think, if I can just get them to accept me and to love me, then the fear will go away. We give them the control. We fight through it. We think, if I could just eliminate this, this thing in my life, and this thing has such power and control over me. We, we, we throw ourselves into drugs or alcohol or unhealthy behaviors or activities, and we think if we can just indulge in these things and escape with these things, then that fear will go away, and we give those things the control. In a way, when we cower in fear and we hide our eyes, we're trying to control it. We're trying to think, well, if I can just give inactivity the control, it'll just go away. Problem is, the reason I kept getting frustrated is, people and things always fail us. They never work. People disappoint us. Things are just temporary, and we find ourselves right back where we started in the face of fear 
riddled with, with worry and anxiety and panicky and all of those things that come along with fear. You see, God created you with fear. We have the capacity to be afraid. But he also created us to give over that control to one person, Jesus. God is the only one who we can truly trust to handle this fear in our life. And if we are ever going to move through this wall of fear, we've got to give him the control. Now, I probably just lost a portion of the crowd here. Because I know what some of you are thinking. You're going, wow, you built up to that? <laughs> I mean, how stereotypic is it that the pastor's up here saying on a Sunday morning, give God control of your life. Just trust God. You know, it sounds so simple, right? But the truth is, no matter whether you're kicking tires and you're just checking out this Christianity thing or you've been a believer for 30 years, we all struggle with control and we struggle with completely and totally giving God the control of things in our life, especially the things that we are most afraid of. So I think it's important that we dig into this and we unpack it a little bit and figure out what does it really mean to give God control in our life. Well, let's look at what Jehoshaphat did. Let's see what they did here and how they completely and totally trusted God in the face of fear. I love the passage in verse 12, the last part of this passage. We read it earlier. Let me read it again. Here's what Jehoshaphat prayed. He said, we do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. You see, he passionately sought God. But in this passion, you know, he prayed, he fasted, he gave up his, his core cravings, food, in order to get God's attention. But the key ingredient here was he was honest before God. And not only before God, but before all the people. I mean, that's a big deal for a major leader to own up in public to say, I'm stumped. I don't know how to deal with this. He swallowed his pride and he said, I don't know what to do. What an example for the people to see in his life. He got honest before God, and he said, but my eyes are on you. He had a laser focus on God and not on the circumstance that was facing them. And so as he continued to pray, I love what he did there. In verse 6, the latter part, it says, In your hand are power and might, so that none is able to withstand you. Going on, it says, Did you not, our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? You know what he's doing here? He's reminding himself of who God is and what he's done. He's reminding himself in the face of this fear that God is bigger, that God is the creator of all things. He is all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present God who holds the universe in his arms. And that he has gone before him. He's reminding himself of what God has done in the past by giving them this promised land. So often in our lives, we just have spiritual amnesia, don't we? (laughs) We move through a particular circumstance. God blesses. God shows up. He does something for us. And then we just go on with life. And over time, we forget it. If we are going to give God control then we've got to remember who he is and what he's done in our lives. And as we pursue him in this way, 
as we get honest with him, as we remember who he is and what he's done, you know what happens? Our perspective begins to change. We begin to see God in our circumstance for what it truly is. We see God as so much bigger and our issue as so much smaller. And as we gain that perspective, we can then do what Jehoshaphat did. He leaned in. He leaned in. Listen to to what it says in verse 16. It says, tomorrow, go down against them. Tomorrow, go down against them. As he got the right perspective, God gave him the direction. He said, tomorrow, get up out of bed and go down and face your enemy. So often, when we're facing the fears in our life, we get overwhelmed with the totality of the decisions that may be made. A few years ago, I felt stirred that it might be time to leave a role, a position, a job that I was in. And that prospect scared me to death. This was where my roots were. This is where I'd poured my heart and life. I'd been there for 12 years. This was a hard thing to face. And so as I thought about the prospect of doing that, I got so scared. I started thinking about the totality of this decision. I thought, well, if I leave, then what are people going to say? What are they going to think? Are they going to think I'm a failure? Are they going to think I'm just giving up? I'm just bolting on things? I'm, I'm not loyal anymore? And if I leave, where will I work? And will I be able to make the same income? And if I can't, then I'm going to have to sell this house. And can I sell this house in this economy? And, and how will I sell it? And who will sell it? And what will I need to do to sell it? And, and I start thinking through all of these things that were going to happen, happen, and I just got overwhelmed with it. So much so that you just want to, you want to just freeze and not do anything. And the trouble with that is you can step outside of God's will very quickly because you're just so scared. But what happened here was Jehoshaphat, they listened for the next right thing to do. He said, tomorrow, go down. He didn't say all the stuff that would happen, how all of this would tra- transpire. He said, tomorrow, go down and face your enemy and see what God will do. So often, we just have to take the next right step. In my situation, finally, I got some clarity and some perspective, and I stopped thinking about it all, and so I made the next right decision. You know what that was? It was a phone call. I just made a phone call to a Christian counselor that I knew and I trusted and just went and met with him just to get some coaching, to get some wisdom, to get another perspective on this decision that I was facing. That was the next right thing. And from there, I took another right step and then another right step. And I just took it one step at a time. And as I did, I busted through some walls of fear until ultimately I did leave that position and I landed here at Westridge and I'm standing here today. And now I look back and I see what God did. I see how he went before me. I see how he fought for me. But I got to tell you, when I was walking through those steps, I was afraid. I was scared. Sometimes when we're walking forward, we just have to do it afraid. And as we walk forward, even in that fear, God will show up. And soon he will eliminate it as we walk forward with him. And that's what Jehoshaphat and the people here did. They took the next right step. That's what we've got to do in our lives. You see, it begins by pursuing God passionately. 
seeking him, getting honest with him. And as we do, we get the right perspective because fear can cloud our judgment and our wisdom. And we get that perspective and then we lean in and we listen for God's instruction for the next right thing to do. And as we take that next right step, we bust through the walls of fear and we see God show up and we see God do amazing things and that he truly will fight for us. And ultimately, we break through the walls of fear. That's what I've learned here. And it's all about giving the control to God. You know, when you think about it, fear is really a good thing when it all comes down to it. It's a good thing. Fear protects us. And when we allow fear to take its proper place in our life, fear points us to God. And as we walk through and get to know God and pursue him and seek him and get his perspective and walk in obedience to him, we, be discovered, we can begin to discover a God that we never dreamed we would ever discover. What I found was that God is truly a father. So often you'd read through the pages of scripture and God says, do not be afraid. He says, do not fear. And oftentimes I would read that and I would, I would just feel guilty because I'm afraid. And I would feel like it's just like this some stoic God lording down some command upon me. Do not be afraid. But what I've come to realize, it's really the more the words of a father. One of the most instinctive roles that I play with Cohen in his life is that of a father, someone who wants to protect him. I'm the first one to, to grab him up when the ants are about to get to him on, on the grass. I'm the first one to, to pull him away when he is about to step into the street. And when he's crying and something scares him, I pick him up and I wrap him in my arms and I hold him tight and I say, Buddy, don't be scared. It's okay. The blow dryer won't hurt you. It won't eat you. And I just say, do not be scared. Don't be afraid. That's what our Father wants to do for us. He wants to hold us, and he wants to look at us and say, don't be scared. Don't be afraid. I got this. I'm, I, I'm the, the one that holds the universe. Certainly, I can hold you and hold you through this issue in your life. If you'll just give me the control, if you'll just relinquish the control and trust me, I will fight for you because I'm your father and I love you. That is a word for Father's Day. That is a word for Father's Day. Will you pray with me? God, I thank you that in the midst of fear, and I know that there are people in this room right now who are facing fears in their life. And these fears have created havoc in their lives, have destroyed things in their lives, have, have pushed them down a, a lot of ugly avenues. God, I pray now that you'd help us all to, to redirect, to just get honest and go, we don't know what we're doing. We don't know what to do. Lord, that we would lift our eyes to you and passionately seek you. And God, as we seek you, give us the perspective we need to see. Give us the perspective that we need to know and understand. 
And as we do, Lord, we pray that you would show us the next right step, the next right thing. And as we move through that, God, show up, fight for us, and destroy that fear in our lives. We pray this together. You know, in this passage, one of the things that also teaches us is that we are to maintain this perspective throughout the journey. And I didn't read it, but I want to read it now because what we find is that when Jehoshaphat and the army went down to face their enemy, here's what he did. He appointed those who were to sing to the Lord and praise him in holy attire as they went before the army and say, give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love endures forever. As they went down, they appointed singers to go before them and to sing out the praises of God. Battles and beats. <laughs> music, worship, music has an incredible power in our lives to maintain that perspective. My wife and I have made it a point to fill our home, to fill our car, to fill our minds with worship. Worship music that proclaims who God is, what he has done, what he promises, because it gets into us and it reminds us and it gives us the proper perspective as we go, as we face the fight, as we face the fears in our life. So this morning, we're going to sing a song of praise that proclaims who God is. So I invite you to join in and to gain the perspective that you need to face the fears 